Hi, I'm Valerie Moisel. Over 20 years ago, I co-founded my company with a creative spark, an entrepreneurial spirit, and a fearless attitude. I've long dreamed of sharing a space where I can interview successful women and hear them talk from their hearts about how they found their way. What I'm learning is it's not such a linear path. We all have what I call the four S's. The initial spark, the snag which trips you up, the shift that helps you find your way to the final S, success. No, not always in that order. And yes, sometimes the steps repeat. Together, we will learn from each other and be inspired. These are women who rule. This is She Dynasty. Welcome back to She Dynasty, and we are here today with an incredible female entrepreneur. There's so many, and we're so lucky to talk to so many incredible women. Today, we're going to be speaking with Susan Sarich, and inspired by the recipes of her two grandmothers, Susan founded one of the fastest growing cake shops with the most ridiculously delicious cakes, and it's called Susie Cakes. She founded it on the idea of using high-quality, simple ingredients And since opening her first store in Los Angeles in 2006, she has since opened over 25 more locations across the U.S., and I think she's even going to expand more. So I'm super excited to talk to her today. But before that, I'd like to introduce Caroline Morton. Caroline is a new employee at my company. She just started how many days ago? Um, I think it's a week ago today, actually. Awesome. Well, welcome, Caroline. Thank you. How's it going so far? Oh, I love it. It's Yeah, no, really. I'm not just saying that because I have to in front of you, but no, it, it really is the perfect small agency vibe. Everyone's so great to each other, which isn't super common in creatives. I keep hearing that, but yeah. that's really nice to hear again. So I've kind of thrown you right in. Um, you've already working on some pretty big projects, which is really awesome. Yeah, right is, in the deep end. <laughs> yeah. So, and I've asked you to be on my podcast. And what I loved is you said yes right away. Yeah, I was so excited. This is always something that I've I've wanted to do with you ever since I found out about it because it's such a great mission. Perfect. One of the reason, reasons I thought it'd be great for you to be on this podcast is because when I said I was interviewing Susan from Suzy Cakes, you immediately were like, oh, I love that brand. <laughs> and you know what's so great is I keep getting that reaction from people. And so obviously she delivers a lot of happiness and I love the passion. And you immediately started talking about like, your favorite flavor and your favorite cake and how you go out of your way to go there. So tell me about your obsession with Suzy Cakes. Yeah, so I first had Suzy Cakes when I was in high school. That was uh, about five or six years ago. And one of my best friends introduced me to it. Ever since then, we have been going probably about at least once a month. And then when we moved away to college, it became... Anytime we were back in LA, we would get it. So it's like a ritual for you guys. Yeah, it's like a ritual. And then it kind of developed into like a source of comfort. Every time either one of us goes through a breakup, the other one buys Susie Cakes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. I wonder if Susan knows that her brand um, is associated with breakups and other life events like that. Yeah, it's almost like finding the good in the breakup, you know, like it's a sweet thing that we can kind of turn to each other for comfort. Perfect. Well, we're going to ask her that. So she'll be here in a few minutes. And um, I'm excited to talk to her. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) 
All right. Well, hello, Susan. Good morning. How are you? I'm terrific. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. As you just heard a few minutes ago, Caroline had a very specific kind of reaction when we talked about your brand and your company. Do you realize, you know, just what your brand is doing for people? I have come to realize that because I, too, when I meet people, they immediately jump into the cake they love, why they love it, and who they share it with. And there's a story behind every single person I meet about the company, which is why I founded it, and it's our mission. So nothing could make me happier. Yeah, it's like a physical reaction. It's like a gasp. It's like, Susie Cakes, I love it. So that's really, really powerful. So, you know, kudos to you that you've been able to um, emotionally connect with people that way. So um, I want to tell the story of kind of your journey to how you've gotten to where you are today, because people are listening, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs who are starting their own businesses that want to learn, other people that are just huge fans of your brand want to hear more about you. I want to start by talking about your two grandmothers, because it sounds like they were the source of inspiration So tell us about them and your fondest memories of them. Sure. Um, Their names were Mildred and Madeline, and they lived in Chicago across the alleyway from each other. That's how my parents met. And I spent a lot of time with them during my childhood. My father was a firefighter and so um, worked a lot of overnight shifts. So spent time at both of their homes, and every time, either after school or on the weekends, there was always some amazing baked good on the table when I got there, whether it was apple pie or pound cake or oatmeal cookies. And it was less about the baking piece but about sitting down sharing a cookie and a glass of milk and somebody saying how was your day and then actually listening right and what I didn't realize at the time was that they were teaching me life lessons on just how to be a really good human being and you mentioned that they're immigrants mm-hmm. where are they yes. from one's from Italy and the other from Poland oh interesting so two completely different perspectives on life yes. and baking yes And you also mentioned that they lived in close proximity to each other? Mm -hmm. Across the alleyway. So they're um, in Chicago. The garage is back up to a little mid-street. So Beautiful. Did you like to bake yourself or at the time were you someone who just liked to eat it? It was more more about eating it at the time, yes. And are your grandparents or your grandmothers still around? Unfortunately, they are not. Neither one were able to see Susie Cakes open in Brentwood, which is one of the things that saddens me, but I always feel like they're with me all the time. I'm sure. What do you think that they would say if they saw what you were doing today? I I can't even imagine. I really can't. I think they'd just be blown away that what they created in their kitchens has now become this multi-million dollar brand. Beautiful. And do you um, use any of their recipes or anything inspired by them? Any recipes? All of them. All of them. So I was um, fortunate enough to inherit all their three by five handwritten recipe cards. And they were something that um, carried in the little tin container. Um, and I moved around a lot with my job and through the years. And every time I opened the box, I mean, I wouldn't say the box was speaking to me, but there was something about, I need to do something with these recipes because they're just way, way too good not to share. Yeah. A lot of people listening probably don't know about those little recipe cards that people I used know. to have. <laughs> I know. Anyone under 35 is like, what is a what recipe you, card? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. People used to write recipes yeah, yeah. on cards and keep them in boxes. Yeah, that yeah, was a thing. Yeah. We, we couldn't Google them. Yeah. Do you still have that I do. box of tins? Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, Some are in a special um, security box at the bank because I'm just I'm so afraid of oh something gosh. happening to them. That's they're so, so special. That is special. 
All right, we're going to jump to kind of your college experience. So you went to Cornell um, School of Hotel Administration before shifting to becoming a baker. Why did you choose that in the beginning? What was interesting to you about My that? My love was always the hospitality piece of the business. So even growing up as um, a little girl, we didn't have very much money, but our vacations were in Wisconsin at Holiday Inn, where they had the pool in the parking lot. And I would save the shampoo and, and the soap and then have amenities for my girlfriends for sleepovers. And so I knew early on that that was definitely the business or career path I wanted to choose. So I worked really hard to be able to get into the hotel school and just knew that it was what was meant for me. And do you feel like, because obviously you made a shift, but do you feel like what you learned there kind of carried over to what you're doing well, today? Well, I think it was 100% because it is about hospitality service mm-hmm. um, and really the, the degrees undergraduate in business around hospitality. Perfect. So it was kind of a nice, easy yeah. transition yeah. because yeah. of that foundation exactly. that you got. So what was the spark that made you switch from hospitality to being an entrepreneur? I had been working in hotels, restaurants, nightclubs. My goal getting out of college was to work for the best of the best brands that were founder-led and driven. And what I noticed around the age of 30 where a lot of women were leaving the industry because it was very hard to have a career, or I say least alone a date on a Friday night, um, when you're working... 24 7 right because yeah. I was working you know New Year's Eve then turn around work New Year's brunch and and it was just you're working when everybody else is off and while I very much respected and admired the male bosses I had I saw a lot of either my colleagues from Cornell or other women just leave the business because it was too hard so that was the spark to say I want to create a business model where women could have careers in food service and hospitality without having to sacrifice other areas of their life. And so that's that was that, that kind of combined with this, while I've got these great recipes, while I'm living in California and no one really knows what homemade Midwest desserts are right. with five ingredients, and put the whole thing together. Interesting. I never really thought about that. Yeah, if you're in hospitality and hotels, you've you got to give up a lot of your weekends and nights. Cause, holidays. And holidays, because yep. that's when it's most booming for that business. Correct. Where was your first job? It was at Hyatt. Hyatt oh, Hotels. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. A Chicago girl. So they were founded there. So you found it hard to kind of have a personal life and be fulfilled at work. Completely, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Tell us about that switch. You woke up one morning and you decided, this is it. I'm not doing this anymore. Or was it kind of like a side, a side hustle? Were you kind of baking you know, at home and selling cakes yeah, out no, of the garage? No, it was not. <laughs> Definitely wasn't that. I continued on with my career, but I started then writing my business plan and determining how I was going to get there. And that's when I started putting together the pieces of what I wanted Susie Cakes to be. So it was, it was two pieces. It was this careers for women, but then it was also bringing these homemade desserts to people, but then also wanting people to share them with their families. It's kind of this nostalgic back to basics piece that I felt was missing and still continues to kind of miss from society today. That you did hit one snag, and I'm just trying to understand yeah. in the timeline when this happened, or somewhere along your journey, you opened your own restaurant. Was that before Susie Cakes? It was before Susie Cakes. Tell us, you know, why did you end up closing? Um, what was the story there? I had opened the restaurant in Portland. It was pre Susie Cakes. I had the Susie Cakes idea, but had the opportunity to open a restaurant first with my now life partner, Houston. We'll talk about him later. And we were there and um, we opened a French bistro and For the first three months, business was great, and then 9-11 hit, and we went from doing 200 covers a night to doing 12 covers a night. And what I learned at that time, and had I not had that failure, which at the time was an epic failure, and I thought it was never going to 
you know, get back on my feet again, because we lost everything, was that I learned the value of each guest. So anytime anybody walked in the door, I was so grateful they were there, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like even if you ordered a cheese plate and a glass of water, I was thrilled to have you. And so had I not had that experience of really valuing guests and not taking people for granted, I'm not sure when I opened the first Susie Cakes in Brentwood, I would have had that same focus on the guest, the guest, the guest, the guest, and appreciating them. I love that. Yeah, I think people do take that for granted. I hear a lot of people have a dream of opening like a restaurant or a bakery. My husband and I have this weird dream of opening a sandwich shop. Don't ask me why. We always talk about it and everyone we know who's in the restaurant business is like, don't get in the restaurant business. It's the worst. Why, why does it have such a bad reputation? Because it's it's really long hours and the margins are really slim. So it's not a very financially rewarding gig unless you're one of a few. Got it. So you mentioned that it was a difficult time when you had to make the decision to close the restaurant. Tell us a little bit about what you were feeling in, in the moment. Oh, I felt uh, like I had failed not only myself, but my team. I think that was one of the, the hardest days of my career was getting our servers and bartenders and cooks together and letting them know that we were closing because everybody had been in the trenches with us through these difficult times. Right. And uh, so I felt I had let them down. and. The most beautiful thing happened, though, on that same day, I said to everybody, we're going to pack up the restaurant. You guys can go home now with your final paycheck. And everybody stayed to help us. And then we just stayed, you know, like a family and had dinner together. And it was just, you know, I thought everybody was going to be mad. And everybody was like, we're not we're not going anywhere. We're going to pack the boxes with you. It was very, no, it's You just gave me chills. (laughs) So that's so nice. So what was your biggest takeaway from that experience, that failure? And how did you take it and turn it into something positive? Yeah. After that, you know, I had to just make money, right, to pay the bills. So I went back into the hotel business because that was an easy transition for me. But I still wanted to open Susie Cakes because I still had that spark mm-hmm. to to create this brand and this bakery. And that's when people were saying, you're crazy. Like, you just closed something. You practically declared bankruptcy. Like, what are you thinking? Like, everyone's like, you've right. lost your mind to want to start another business again. But the feeling was so strong that I needed to do it, that even my parents said, we'd rather see you do it and fail than not do it because you have so much conviction around this. Right. And I think that's um, really important for people listening. Entrepreneurialism is something that's inside of you and it's hard to kind of contain it, right? Mm -hmm. So either if you have it, it's undeniable. You kind of have to let it do its thing. Have you always considered yourself to be an entrepreneur from like a young age, or is it something that kind of developed as you move through your career and journey? I think I always wanted to be successful at whatever I did, whether it was like, I remember being very competitive about selling Girl Scout cookies. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, so- yeah, I, I, think that's a, I think that's a really good indicator it's, of someone who might think, be really good at, at entrepreneurialism. I do, and now I stop every time and I talk to all the all the the scouts and, and like ask them who's who's ahead and what are they selling, and I can kind of figure it out who's going to be great. When you decided to start the company, did you do like a proof of concept? Did you just open a store? Tell us how I that did worked. A really extensive business plan. I mean, I spent probably about a year while I was working at the hotel writing a business model. 
my travels always involved going to a city and going to as many bakeries as I could, saying, I like this, I don't like that, keeping this little notebook, but had a really thought out, like, on Monday, I'm going to sell X number of chocolate cakes, it'll bring in X number of dollars, and by the end of the week, I'll have this much money. I mean, I really had it, like, detailed out. Did you make the business plan? Or I did. did you hire no, somebody it. to do it? No, no, I wrote it. I definitely wrote it. I love that. Some of the women I speak to don't make business plans. They just jump right in and kind of go and see where it happens. And the other half are very methodical about it and seems like they're different paths mm-hmm. and you know different strokes for different people. But I like to hear both sides of it. I'm the kind of person that I get an idea and I just literally do it. Like I had a, an idea a year ago to start She Dynasty and I think the next day I went and bought mics and here right. we are. There was no business plan. <laughs> There's still no business plan. But I actually am envious of people that are, you know, more methodical about the process because I think sometimes that's really important. Yeah. So was there anybody early on with you in this process that um, really helped you? Any partners or? No, my, you know, my, my partner who I spoke of earlier, who's my partner in life and now in at work, you know, I always say is my rock and the man behind the woman. Like without his encouragement, I wouldn't be sitting here speaking with you today. I think everybody needs one cheerleader in their corner, and you need just one person. And he was that person for me when the darkest days were there. He was And he's been there since the beginning? Yes. Yeah, I think people don't realize how important it is to have somebody in your ear standing behind you that just says, you can do this, you can do this. It's really competitive out there, and it's really easy to get shaken by what other people are doing, and I'm not going to be good enough, and I'm never going to be able to compete. But when someone's just in your ear saying, you got this, you can do this, it's so powerful. So anybody who's listening needs to find that person and make sure that it's somebody that you trust and believe. Because 100 people will tell you it's a bad idea. No. 100%. Or 1,000. 1,000 In my case. (laughs) Yes. And you have proven otherwise. So you didn't have any investors. You used your own money. Yep. Early on for the opening the Brownwood store, we used, well, we, we found, it was investments through friends and family. So we cobbled money together. I mean, cobbled is the, the opportune word there. You know, for checks as low as, you know, $2,500 from like my dental hygienist cousin in Palm Springs. I mean, it was crazy. I just broke people down. I carried the business plan everywhere I went. I passed it out. I talked to people. Anybody who would listen, I would pitch Susie Cakes. Are you still accepting um, investments? Because <laughs> I'm ready to write a check. <laughs> Not currently, but perhaps down the road. When you opened that first store, was it like super designed or was it just kind of cobbled together? Because your stores are kind of very high concept yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I very much, I'm a person who believes in karma. What goes around comes around. And we had had a friend who was a phenomenal architect and interior designer who agreed to do it pro bono, you know, just oh, because, lucky. you know, it's like, you're a great person and oh. I should help you do this. So he had a great eye for design and helped design it. But we were opening on a shoestring. So some of his ideas we couldn't put into place initially. They're kind of coming, you know, through to fruition now many years later. But really, we laid the first tiles ourselves in Brentwood. I mean, painted the walls. I mean, it was working alongside the contractor who's like, no, I got it. You don't need you here today. So we just went offline for a second and Caroline was telling Susan that every time she goes into the Brentwood store, Harrison Ford is there. Is he a regular? He's a, he's a regular. Oh, that's, sure. that's good clientele there. Very cool. 
All right, so let's talk a little bit about your cakes because um, obviously it's what made you or has made you so, part of what has made you so successful. So do you have a signature cake and what makes your product so special? Our signature cake is our vanilla celebration cake and it's six layers of vanilla cake with confetti baked in and then the outside frosting is vanilla but it, it is Susie Blue which is our signature color which is the color of my grandmother's Pyrex mixing bowl. Oh. That's the whole color our company is based on. on so it's on kind of bowl. like a little like nod nod back to the to the day. <sighs> that cake has definitely that's our best seller. It's you know what you see all over Instagram. It's definitely become the cake to buy. And I think it's because early on, not only is it so good, but everyone always asks ask me what my favorite was, and I'd say I love our vanilla vanilla cake because you can really taste the quality of ingredients. Mm-hmm. I tell anybody when you're testing a bakery anywhere. You can tell if you're, if you're using real butter, real vanilla, really good high quality eggs. You can tell that in the vanilla. And you mentioned earlier five ingredients. Is that right? Yeah. Most of our recipes, I say, are butter, flour, sugar, eggs, salt, and maybe something else. So um, they're very clean, made with what I say. If it wasn't found in the pantry in 1950, we don't bake with it. That's a really good principle to live by. When you first opened that store in Brentwood, and you serve these delicious cakes. Do you feel like the success from it came because of the product? Because we just talked about the superior product, or was it also because you were the neighborhood bakery? Was it a combination of things? I think it was a combination of things. I think the fact that I wanted to be, and still do want to be everybody's neighborhood bake shop. I want to be the place you come with your kids to have a treat after school, and the place where you come to get your parents' 25th wedding anniversary cake. I want, right. and everything in between, right? Where you come in and people know your name, and you could, you could see the bakers baking, you could smell it, it feels good. So it, it should be like a whole experience when you come into a Susie Cakes. And I think what set us apart from the get-go is that, you know, the product was high quality. There was a there was a very high attention to service. Today we still call everybody back, and I did from day one. I picked this up from Danny Meyer's book, Setting the Table. Call everybody back, ordered a cake to say, How was your experience? How was wow. your cake? So You still do that? Yeah, we still do that. Oh, we still do that, fantastic. which is really, you know, unheard of. So what that allowed us to do, if, if we if somebody didn't enjoy the cake or something went wrong, they could tell us and we could make it right for them because with scratch baking. Baking, baking powder and soda could be you know right. mixed up sometimes um, so I wanted this chance to make it right and I think that was very powerful in building the brand people knew we appreciated them yeah you know it's probably a challenge and I know this just because a few of my clients have had this issue I used to work with uh, the coffee bean and tea leaf right when they started to really kind of explode in Los Angeles and want to expand and I remember the owner of the brand at the time saying to me so I want to be the neighborhood coffee shop, but I want to open, you know, 500 stores. And so it's probably really hard. It's a challenge to keep that neighborhood feel, but still expand. How do you feel like you've found success in yeah. doing that? By keeping true to our core and our culture. And we have a lot of, um, which I'm very proud of, long tenured team members, right? So we won't open a new store without having it seated with some individuals who have been with the company for a few years so that it carries on forward. But it is challenging to do. It is. And especially with this climate, with there's so much um, turnover in retail. And I'm sure that, you know, like any business owner, you're dealing with that. But probably having some core people kind of behind the scenes and really setting things up correctly is what carries is the yeah. through line that yeah. carries everything. And it's a huge compliment to me when people say, what, you have more than this store I'm in and you know Newport Beach? I'm like, yeah. It, it makes me very happy because it tells me that people still feel that we have that same one store neighborhood essence. Right. 
So you had this one store in Brentwood and it was very successful. Did you make a decision at that point to open a second store? And was that scary? Were you worried that the second one wouldn't have the same magic as the first? No, I was ready to roll. I, when I opened Brentwood, I always had the vision of having Susie Cakes be a national brand and and a household name synonymous with celebration. That's still my mission. And within six months, we were cash flow positive, which was very unusual. Um, And I knew we had something great and special. And of course, after so many people and banks had told me that Susie Cakes was a bad idea and wouldn't loan me money. Now, of course, everybody's coming out of the woodwork. But I wanted to reward the individuals who had believed in me early on, who wrote those initial checks and kind of bring those folks along for the ride. So then we we did some fundraising for the next three stores all at once. Oh, so those three opened yeah, at once. At once. And where well, were well they? they were in succession. Um, it was Calabasas, Newport Beach, and Manhattan Beach. Awesome. Because I said we're just going for it now. And which one is your is your best performing store? Just out of- is Brentwood still? Yeah, still Brentwood. Yeah. Okay. So at a certain point, did you kind of evolve the kind of decor and design of the store, level it up, or was has it always been kind of the same from we've day been, one? We've been leveling up. I think with almost every opening, we added one more little right. enhancement, whether it was nice or, you know, wainscot or artwork. How do your current goals now, because obviously things have shifted, how do they align with your original vision? I think they're still aligned in terms of having brick and mortar stores from coast to coast, but I think they're evolving as the retail landscape evolves and there is more direct consumer occurring. And so I think Suzy Cakes as an organization, we need to shift more to adapt to those particular needs. Yeah, it seems like everybody I talk to is starting to characterize their business as a tech company. Right? Is there a yeah, pressure yeah. for you to turn your bakery into there, a tech there, company? There as is. Well? There, there definitely is. Like cakes on demand. Yes. Like hit a button and it, it just shows up at your door. Something close to that. Awesome. Yes. So you're working it's on it. It's in the works. <laughs> it literally is. I love it. It's a yeah. real. It's a real thing. So what are you most proud of when it comes to Susie Cakes and what you've done? I'm most proud of the stories that like you shared with me because that was exactly what I set out to do was to have people enjoy our treats with other people and yeah. feel really special and feel cared for. And I'm really proud of the team that's been with me. We have a lot of long tenure team members um, in our organization, and that to me is the biggest compliment that anybody could pay me. You know, when you were telling the story... Caroline was telling the story about um, the breakup and how it's the cake to go to. Um, I have a 15-year-old daughter, and she was on the phone last night with one of her friends who was crying because she had a breakup, and she's coming over for dinner tonight. And my initial reaction was like, I'm going to buy some sweets or something nice. Have you ever thought about, you know, doing some sort of a strategy in store where you have cakes for different life moments or anything like that? We There's do. something interesting yeah, about that. Yeah, there is something about that. Um, we try to promote the not, you know, the non-celebration celebrations yeah. um, as much as we can. That's what I yeah. think is so yeah. interesting yeah. about that. And that's what I loved about what Caroline said earlier is that, you know, a cake can be there to help through the hard times, mm-hmm. not just through the mm-hmm. celebrations. And it can make a bad day you know, better and okay. I think that's so important. And we have hundreds of stories like that, you know, where people just send, you know, to our email, Susie, very heart, heart-wrenching stories about um, either somebody is ill and, you know, one of the things that they want to eat is something from Susie Cakes. It's really kind of neat. You have 26 stores. Is there plans to open more? There certainly are, yes. Is there a yeah. goal? Is there like a number? There's not. There's not a number, but the goal is to keep you know, building out into more communities. Mm -hmm. Um, And why did you choose Texas as a second state to go into? That's a great question. 
we had done a study to say what across the U.S. looks like our highest performing stores in California, and there were certainly many. And Texas was the first stop on our real estate tour, and we went to Dallas, and this is a true story. And there was a man who helped get my suitcase off the conveyor belt, and coming from um, L.A., I was a little skeptical he was going to take my bag, and so I was kind of fighting with him for it. And he's like, ma'am, I just want to help you to the curb. And that level of hospitality and genuineness continued throughout the whole weekend, and I literally said to our our they broker were your people. yeah I'm like no they get it like they understand hospitality and they want to connect and people look in your eye and say good morning like it just I loved everything about oh it gosh, and I, I felt it that kind reason. of fit this very you know it felt like the Midwest to me but even right more it so. spoke, it spoke mm-hmm. to kind of yeah. your soul yeah. the kind of um, yeah. vibe you yeah. wanted to put out yeah. that's great so is there a next state that you're kind of mm-hmm. looking at? We are now have our sights on Illinois and Chicago. Oh, which great. Which is going to be Back really, to your yeah. hometown. So any snags that you've hit as you've expanded? Anything unexpected? You know, I think the snags that we hit early on are still the snags we hit, whether it's with city and planning and laws and things that it just seemed to, as a business owner, keep coming at you more rapidly mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Uh, regulations, all of these things, um, and you have to respond very quickly to them, except now they roll off my back a little bit more right. than they did because I've kind of lived through so right. much that it's like, okay. Do you, have you ever opened a store that doesn't quite perform where you wanted it to perform? You know, how do you deal with that? Do you just continue to kind of power through? Yeah. Do you have to make decisions sometimes to close stores? Yeah, we, what, you know, we've seen is that Suzy Cakes, it's a little bit of a slower ramp because everybody doesn't need cake every day. I mean, some of us do, but <laughs> it's not like you need lunch. So you sometimes won't come in for maybe six months after we've opened to, to get a cake. And then once you see, you're like, oh, and I can get pie for Thanksgiving and I can get, you know, uh, something else. So the ramp is slower, so usually it'll be slow out of the gate, but then around at the two-year mark, we kind of turn a corner, and everything goes well from there. Beautiful. Yeah. And what's your busiest time of the year, holiday? The single busiest day of the year is the day before Thanksgiving, so pies. Got that it. is our biggest day. I also understand that you're very passionate about providing a place for women to succeed. Can you talk more about that personally and the role that Susie Cakes plays in that? Mm-hmm. Coming out of environments um, that were very heavily dominated by by men in kitchens primarily. I always felt that the pastry cook was always, or the pastry chef, was treated like a little girl sometimes. Um, and part of my mission at Suzy Cakes is to have the head baker and the general manager at each store really feel that it's their store. So we're teaching business skills and food costs and labor costs and things of that nature. So I want everybody when, and if they do leave Suzy Cakes, that they feel that they've grown as a professional on more than just they came in and did a job and left. Mm-hmm. And we am very proud that 85% of our workforce is female. Nice. And it's it's terrific. It's women, you know, who have just graduated maybe high school or trade school who are 18 years old. And I have women in their 60s whose kids have gone to college and they're empty nesters and wanted to get back into the workforce and really everything in between. And so, new moms and pregnant women. I mean, just everything. So important. So I also understand in addition to baking, you have a passion for animals. Animals have a special place in my heart, and we do a lot for animals at Suzy Cakes, including when a new team member adopts a dog, we pay for the dog adoption fee. We do the Dog Days of Summer What a great idea. Yeah, it's a nice benefit. We do a promotion every August for... um, to help our local shelters and collect towels and blankets for them. And it's just been something that I'm really 
passionate about. Yeah. So you have something also called the Dog Days of Summer. Mm -hmm. What's that? That's going on right now. That is, we uh, sell a frosted sugar cookie that looks like a dog, and a dollar from each cookie goes to Best Friends Animal Society, which does amazing work. They do. And then with the donations of the blankets and towels, we do two-for-one cupcakes. So it's a great deal, too. All right, so I'm going to move into some rapid-fire questions. Do you also like to cook or bake, or are you one of those people that it's either or? Because I'm a huge cook, but I cannot stand baking. Like, I screw it up every time. No, I go out to eat as much as I possibly can. (laughs) So interesting. You're either, like, on one side of the fence or the other, right? Bakers and chefs. Yeah, those are two separate disciplines. They really are. I don't quite fall into either category. Other passions or hobbies? Traveling. Okay. For sure. So just That's exotic places. Good time. No, it could be the smallest thing. It could be going down to, you know, San Diego or to Santa Barbara for an overnight, but just um, getting away for a minute to clear my head is always great. Besides your grandmother's, any other strong female role models in your life that have helped you? Yeah, I've, I've had, um, I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of great women who have given me encouragement and they kind of went against the grain type of type of people. If you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? To always trust your gut and follow your heart, always. Okay. Is there one piece of advice that you've been given in your career that you kind of always go back to? Mm. I don't know if it was in my career, but it is really, I think, the lessons that my grandmother's taught me, which was work hard and be nice to people. And I have it above my desk. And I think it just... That's great advice. I love that. Very good advice. And what qualities do you look for in a good employee or people on your leadership team? I, I get asked this question a lot, and I've really landed on, because there's many things I look for, but um, I think I'm looking for somebody who has humility. I think somebody who just doesn't take themselves too seriously and is humble. I love that. I haven't makes heard that great, answer. Makes a great leader. Perfect. How do you define success? What does it mean for you? What does it look like? I think it means waking up happy each morning, excited to start the day, do purposeful work, and work with motivated and people who I respect and love being beside, because you spend a lot of hours at work, and so it's got to be fun. If you weren't in this profession or hospitality, what would be next in line? I would be saving dogs. Yeah, I would be. I will be someday. All right, let's talk a little bit about the stress of owning a business and how you have to be on 24-7. How important is it to decompress, and are you able to turn off sometimes? It's hard for me, so I always ask other women who own businesses. And I'm very honest about this and say I really don't. I'm fortunate in that my work life and my life outside of work is all connected now, right? Mm-hmm. I bring the dog to work. Right. Houston's Houston, my other half, he does uh, real estate and development for the company. So we're together. So I don't really feel like I need to leave work to go home to have dinner. We're right. just at work together. Right. So you've kind of blurred the lines between yeah. the two. See, that's always my answer is there's kind of just one mm-hmm. continuous. It's a yeah, it, it couldn't. In my, in my of... mind doesn't stop. I can't just say I'm going to turn this off. Even when I meditate, I'm meditating about yeah, <laughs> Susie <I> Cakes. <laughs> Ridiculous, I know. It's not. It actually isn't. I think it's hard for people who don't own companies to understand that it's you can't just turn it off. You know, the stress is real. What's the best part of your job and the worst part of your job? The best part of my job is twofold. One, it is um, days we are giving promotions or tenured team members. We do gifts for different anniversaries. Nice. So we do like a watch for five years and an iPad for eight years. And the best is a 10-year um, anniversary. You get a trip 
four or five days to Hawaii with another person fully paid. Oh my gosh. And when we first came up with that, I didn't really think we'd have anybody do that. And now we've had over, I think, 15 people have gone on this trip to Hawaii. And like every year, like the finance team's like, uh, how many Hawaii trips are we doing this year? I'm like, I don't know. I think a lot. So that's super fulfilling. And then um, that loyalty is incredible. Yeah, and that it, it is. Thank you. And hearing guests share their stories. Those two things are just the best. Worst part of your job? Not sleeping, because I'm always um, worried, stressing. I'm always thinking about the the what ifs and what could happen and just wanting to protect everything and everybody at all times. Yeah. I think it's important as a business owner, you have to think of everything that could possibly go wrong, even if it's not going to, because then you kind of work out what to do and you're not kind of scrambling in the moment, Right. right? So having some of that in you all the time is good because it prepares you for the future. What part of the job do you wish you were better at? I wish I was better at finance, but I've got a great, amazing CFO and a great accounting and finance team. So I think the best thing you could do is surround yourself with people who know more than you do and let them do their job. Yep. Who do you consider your biggest competitor right now? It's really anybody who makes cake. So it could be a mom and pop shop. It could be a cupcake only shop and it could be. But is it more the like independent or do you feel like the the, um, supermarkets? Yeah, we cross with supermarkets too. It could be somebody even getting people have told me like, oh, I was going to go to you or go to Costco. I was like, what? You know, if you're feeding a soccer team. Yeah, understood. work. Okay. Do you think you'll ever expand your offering past baked goods? Or are you going to keep it no, kind of pure? Uh, no, I um I have a philosophy like in and out burger, like do one thing and do it really well. I like we that. do Americana desserts, period. Like yeah. you're never going to see a croissant sandwich at Susie Cakes. I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs make the mistake of trying to do too much. Yeah. And I love the idea of keeping it pure and simple. So I noticed uh, another woman that we interviewed, um, she owns Cool House Ice Cream. She just introduced mustard flavored ice mm. cream. And so I was just wondering, you know, yeah. is that something that a lot of, is there a pressure to always have something yeah. new and kind of different so people no. will kind of look over? Not at Susie Cakes. Okay. <laughs> and I, you know, I think when we're talking about doing things like that, if it would make my grandmother's cringe, I try to stay away mm-hmm. from it. How often do you eat your cakes? Almost every day. I really? eat something from the bakery. It, may, it might not be cake, but it something is something every, every day. day. And is there one, like, secret you can tell people about like what makes a really great mm-hmm. cake. Mm-hmm. It's really high quality butter. European style butter has the highest butter fat and that is what makes the difference. Perfect. It's no secret. It is what you need to do. All right. And then my very last question is if somebody has not tried your cakes yet, what what is the first cake or slice of cake yeah, they should they try? They must get a slice of celebration cake. Okay. So that's the That's one. the thing. That's the go-to. Perfect. Always. Awesome. Well, I think you've answered all of my questions. Again, thank you so much for being here. Such an inspiration. I love that you are a brand that makes everyone so, so happy. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm going to ask everyone a favor. If you are someone who enjoys this podcast, I would really appreciate the support. Please, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on and leave a comment. And if you don't already, please follow us on Instagram at she underscore dynasty. Lots of great content going up as we continue to grow this community. So thank you.